uh, the couples retreat. If you know anybody or in any way at all, shape, form, or fashion that might want to go otherwise, um, i really got to get to the point to finalize. Right now, I've got seven couples that, that were on the list, and uh, I think we've got five that have, that have paid. Uh, if you can't pay the entire amount uh, tonight, uh, if you can at least put a deposit down, or at least just let me know for sure that you're really going, because I've got to kind of confirm with the with the hotel about that. But if anybody else is going to be able to go, please, please let me know. Um, you know, I'll have to, you know, make sure I, I can get more rooms. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we can because it's kind of an off, a little bit of an off time uh, to be to be getting the room. So I think we can do that. But please let me know about that. And uh, it's married couples retreat. <laughs> Heterosexual married couples <laughs> retreat. Okay. Amen. <laughs> it's amazing how you try to qualify everything now. It's, uh, oh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, then I got, I got a praise for you. You just got to hear this story. Uh, my son and two of my sons-in-law went together. One's a pastor, one's an assistant pastor. And they went about a year and a half ago, started a church in Mason, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. And they went, uh, went there, you know, to start from scratch. And uh, three or four families went together, but the two of them were kind of the uh, prime in there, but they uh, uh, they ended up getting a, a really nice rental building, but they're paying $2,400 a month for that rental building uh, there because uh, Mason is a is a real well-to-do kind of kind of area of Cincinnati there. But so they were coming to today to have to re-sign the contract. Lady is pushing them to get more rent out of them because she's just telling them she wants to to sell it, and so. My son-in-law got up to preach Sunday and he said, folks, come next Sunday because I got some incredible, exciting news for you about what God's doing and what's going to happen in our future. So he got through making that announcement and then he walked off the platform and my, my daughter said, what announcement? And he said, I don't know, but God's doing something. <laughs> And he just felt that the Lord was about to do something. Well, Monday they found uh, one block from their home. God had led them to buy a home there. An incredible situation, even that. One block from their home is a church that's been sitting empty for about five years. A church building. It's uh, two levels. I think the way to describe it, probably the auditorium is about like this. And they got a basement. Uh, nursery, kitchen, full kitchen, everything. They even left the piano. And so um, uh, it's uh, on about an acre, acre and a half of land, parking lots, everything there. Well, they, they couldn't find out who owned it because it's just nothing there, no sons. So my son-in-law being related to me, broke in. Um, <laughs> and when he broke in, he found a key to the place on the pulpit. It's laying on the pulpit. And so he then went and he kept searching through and he found some papers and led anyway today he finally found a bank in minnesota that owns the lien on it two hundred and twenty thousand dollar lien on the building and today the bank agreed to sell it to my son-in-law to their church for seventy five hundred dollars <laughs> Seventy-five hundred dollars, 
and a, a block away from the house that God led them to buy. Amen. Anybody think there might be a God? I just, I'm just so excited. We've been praying because I knew something had to be done because uh, they really, they were just paying too much for the place they had uh, and they were doing all the work on it, fixing it up. And you know how it is. You, you go in there and you fix everything up. Then they want to have to rent on you because it's all so nice now. And so uh, that's the way it was. All right. That's my blessing. I want you to go because I don't want to keep you uh, later than I should tonight, but I want you to go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're going to talk about prayer, but a very uh, unique thought about prayer or what I call a little bit of a hindrance, another hindrance to prayer. You know, the truth is this, this book that we have, the Word of God, it's uh, the King James Bible. It's God's love letter to, to us. It's principles given because of love. And listen, it's, it's not rules to hurt, but principles to teach us how to love God and each other. That's the principles of the Word of God. That's why he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so uh, this book is, is full uh, talking about the love of God. And that's what I want to talk about. The, the topic I'm going to talk about is, is called the, the most misunderstood love. The most misunderstood love. If you go to John chapter 13, look at verse 21. John chapter 13, verse 21, it says, When Jesus had thus said... He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. And that must be a pretty, kind of tough time when he says one of you is going to betray me and they just start looking at each other, trying to figure out who it is, look on the face of it, and that's kind of a tough time. But then verse 23, something very unique is said. He says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. To me, a very strange statement, or why is it necessary to make that statement? And I'll explain that in just a second. But it says, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Uh, Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Let's pray. Father, I pray you bless tonight. Holy Spirit of God, please guide my mind, my thoughts. Uh, Lord, thank you for the wonderful day. Thank you. It's a little warmer today. Thank you for the young people and, and, the, and the, the, the adults that went out to, to help and to chaperone today and took their time and their energy to, to go. Lord, thank you for every person that's come out here tonight, Lord, to, in, in their schedules and, and, and the, the way they have to go through life and their jobs and, and yet willing to come tonight for their, their own growth, for their family's growth, for hope of encouragement and something that would make a difference in their life and their future. And Lord, I pray that they'd find that tonight. Please guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. In this, you see that verse 23, it says, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, and it says, whom Jesus loved. Now, here's my question. Why would that phrase be necessary? Why would it be necessary? Would God find it necessary to say one who Jesus loved. And you say, well, why not? Well, doesn't God love everybody? Why would it be necessary to say the one, you know, this is one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. I mean, you can almost read it like, okay, is that implying that there's some disciples he doesn't love? 
How many of you think that God loves everybody? Okay. Now there's every once in a while when you're driving down the road and you're behind somebody that's frustrating you, you don't think he loves everybody because surely you don't love everybody. But, but, you know, the fact is, is that God loves everybody. Amen. We know that from the word of God. So why does he say, this is one of my disciples whom Jesus loved? Now, when we understand this passage, we can be encouraged in our faith to believe God about his love for us. This in turn, when we believe God about his love for us, I believe that in turn will change our prayer life. Now, we wouldn't admit it here tonight, but I'll be honest with you, I've been been down the road a piece and, and I've been through some pretty tough t- trials in my life and at times and I've been some ups and downs in my Christianity at times and, and I believe that probably everybody at some times kind of gets that feeling like does God love me? Does he really love me? Did I mess up so bad that God really is angry at me? Now I understand that God you know, what we do and what, how we act and how we live sometimes can, uh, it can hinder our relationship with God, uh, but that's totally different than God's love for us. His love never changes. He's the one that says that love never fails. His love for us never changes. Now, okay, the best way I can do this is to give you a, a little bit of an illustration. Uh, when I was uh, four years old, and I remember this very vividly from four years old. And how many of you remember anything from maybe four years old? Oh, God bless you. There's more of you. Maybe you remember it for the same reason I did. When I was four years old, uh, my aunt and uncle lit, owned a little store out in Fisherville, Tennessee. Anybody know where Fisherville is? Out in Fisherville, Tennessee. And uh, we lived way out in the country there. And we would go periodically to that little grocery store. And it was smaller than this, this building. Uh, and it was just a little aisle, you know, on either side of, a, you know, the, yeah, any, wherever that thing is. The shelf in the middle, there's an aisle on either side, and so you go down through it. When you come in, every once in a while, if he wasn't in the field or if he came in in the evening, then Uncle Herman might be there behind the counter. And he, she was never over there because she was always cooking. Uh, he was married to my Aunt Lula. And you have to understand, Uncle Herman and Aunt Lula look just like their names would sound. You'd think they'd look, uh, you, you know, they couldn't both come through the door at the same time. So, uh, so but Uncle Herman would be behind the crown. This night, we came up in our red Ford Falcon. We pulled up there to that. Uh, anybody remember a Ford Falcon? We came up there in a the red Ford Falcon, and, and uh, me and my, three bro- my two brothers in the back seat, and mom and dad in the front seat. And I'm only four, so my, my youngest brother's not there yet, but... But uh, so we pulled up there to that store and we got out and I'm trailing mama down up and down aisles. And this is the reason I can remember four years because I was walking. Mama's going that way. She's got her back to me. Dad's over here by the by Uncle Herman there sitting there talking at the counter. And I'm walking by and I walk by a rack of Kool-Aid. You remember back then, you know, they, they had Kool-Aid, but they didn't they didn't sweeten it. It was just, you know, just the powder. And so, uh, and so I walked by it, and, and it was the first time ever that that little jar of Kool-Aid talked to anybody. <laughs> because when I came by, it said, take me. <laughs> and I wanted to be an obedient little boy. 
But I was really good. I went and asked my mama if I could have a package of Kool-Aid. And my mama said, no, son, you can't have it. So what does a little boy do if your mama has told you you can't have something? I went to my daddy. And so I went over to my daddy and I said, daddy, can I have a package of Kool-Aid? And he stopped talking to Uncle Herman. He looked down at me and he said, he said, uh, you have to ask your mama. And I, and I said, I did. And he said, what's she saying? I said, I don't remember. <laughs> and he said, no, you can't have it. And so I took off and, uh, and I went uh, back around there and mama's down there getting stuff off the shelf. And I stood there looking at that Kool-Aid and it just kept talking to me. And I had to obey. And so I finally grabbed that package of Kool-Aid and I stuck it in my pocket. And everybody just lost confidence in me, didn't you? <laughs> and so I, I had that package of Kool-Aid in my pocket and I went out, uh, you know, I don't know how long it was, but it was dark. You know, we went and got in the car when it was time to leave, the groceries, everything in the trunk. And, and me and my brothers in the back seat. I'm sitting in the middle between my two older brothers. And we're heading down you know, those old country roads. It's only about six or seven miles back to our house. And, and so uh, we're heading down that country road. And I reached in my pocket and I tore that Kool-Aid open and I started dumping it in. Now, you have to understand, it didn't have sweetener or nothing in it. You dump it in and it just makes your jaws go to, <laughs> you know. So I did that and man, that, that stuff. And, and, and I put it in there and, and then, you know, I got purple everywhere and and, I, and then I've stuck it behind my back to hide it so nobody can see it. And so my brothers are looking at me like, you got to be a complete idiot. <laughs> and so, uh, so we went a little bit further and, you know, and I came and I dumped another one in and I stuck it back here. And about the third time I was dumping it in, I saw something. I saw these two giant eyes in the rearview mirror. And I was like this and I saw my daddy's eyes. And I went. But it was too late. We got home and my brothers helped mama get groceries out. And I was going to help get the groceries out. But instead, I heard the snap of a tree. My daddy just broke one in half. <laughs> he could do that kind of stuff. But he would never talk to you. He would just walk over and snap. And then he would walk at you real slow, peeling this stuff off. And I can still remember he grabbed me by the arm and he said the most stupid words parents ever say. You know what that is? Stand still. <laughs> that ain't even going to happen. You know it's not going to happen. That's why you're holding on to my arm. He grabbed my arm and he said, stand still. And my brain said, you better be still. It'll be better for you. But my feet said, ain't no way, man. <laughs> And we ran circles as my daddy was playing Love Lifted Me. <laughs> and that's why I remember that when I, time when I was four years old. Now, the truth is, I could go through the rest of my life, <laughs> uh, through growing up, uh, a whole bunch of stories. And as time goes by, you probably hear one of, uh, or two of those. But uh, I could go on and on. But we don't really have time for that. But, but the fact is, is that as a kid from that time forth, I kind of lived under Murphy's Law. Anybody know what Murphy's Law is? That means anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Now, I just felt like, man, it's always me. You know why it was always me? Because it was always me. 
because I was always doing it, and I was always getting in trouble, and it was always something. And I know I, I, I was hiding in a hallway one time, and I heard my mom and daddy talking about me. And I heard my mama said, Honey, what in the world are we going to do with him? And he said, I don't know. And I'm thinking, am I that bad? Because, I, and I wasn't bad. I was just energetic, you know. Of course, I about killed half my brothers, but I was energetic. I had to tell you this. I got mad at my brother one time, and, and he would always hit me and run because he could outrun me. And he hit me and run. I grabbed a butcher knife and threw it at him. He ran through a door, slammed a door behind him, and it stuck up in the door. I still, to this day, I cannot believe I missed him. And so, uh, so, now, as I got older, though, I mean, all just wrong after wrong after wrong, but here's the truth that God taught me when I was struggling with this passage of Scripture and trying to figure out, Lord, why this statement? Why is it necessary? And that day as I kind of was thinking about this, I realized the Lord brought to my mind my, my own dad, my earthly dad, and I realized that, you know, I had failed my dad over and over again. I had disappointed him, my dad, without a shadow of a doubt, over and over again, even into my teenage years and even to my early college days before I got saved. I'd done wrong so many times, so many ways. But at the moment that I began to... To think this, the only thought that could come into my mind is my dad has always loved me. With a, an incredible love. I've said this over the country. I believe my daddy, if, if I called him and he couldn't do anything for me, but I needed him, he'd start walking to try to get to me because he loves me. When I started thinking in that direction, that's what helped me, to, I believe, to understand what that passage means. Why God allowed this statement to be made. And here's the reason. It was not that Christ loved John more. It was not that Christ loved John and didn't love others. It was that God was allowing John to say how much he knew God loved him. See, when the writer John said this, God let him say in it, I know. I'm a disciple, and I know he loves me. I'm one he loves. He wasn't saying, it wasn't God saying, oh yeah, this is one of them that Jesus loved. This was God allowing John to say, I know he loves me. Now, Let's look at the story real quickly. And as I said, my time's going to run out on me. But, but when we look at this story, uh, and this whole thing is about prayer, we look at two disciples here, and, and it's an amazing thing that takes place. If you look at verse 24, it says, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him. To who? To John, the one who's leaning on Jesus, the one who knows Jesus loves him. Now Peter therefore beckoned to him, to John, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Now Jesus said, one of these, one of you fellows is going to betray me. And Peter says to John, John asked Jesus who it is. You ever think about this? Why didn't Peter ask him? 
Why didn't Peter say, Jesus, who is it? Now, if you think this thing through, then, you know, they are around uh, the table. Uh, and of course, it's, you know, it's a reclined table. You know, it's low and we understand that and they're on pillows. And, and if you ever heard it taught or anything, they, they, but they're there and they're around there. Now, they're around this table uh, and they're preparing to have this bread. And now, the only way, if you read this, the only way and the only places that these people could be. Now, we know if we say Jesus is in the center, we know John is on one side or the other of Jesus. Can we assume that? Because it says he's leaning on him. Now, unless he's got a long neck, he's beside him. He's right there. So he's right there beside him. And now, where is Peter? Well, let's figure this thing out. Peter's going to talk to John and ask John who it is. Well, there's only, to me, there's only one place Peter could be. He has to be beside John. And here's why. If he's across the table and he calls to John, I think Jesus might have heard that. If he's at the end of the table and calls John, I think Jesus might have heard that. The only place reasonably you got it, you got, you got Jesus you got John and you got Peter beside John. You say, well, that's why, because John was in between them. Now, hold on now. How hard is it when you're sitting at a table to say, excuse me, and ask a question? That's not hard at all. You do it all the time. We do it as we talk across the table. We do it as we lean forward and talk to somebody. Why didn't Peter ask John, I asked Jesus the question? Why did he ask John? Why is it that sometimes when we have a, an incredible need, college students would do this so often, and I would ask them this question. They would come to me and they would say to me, Brother Hooker, uh, there's something very serious going on back at home or this or that, or uh, you know, found out that my mama has cancer. Hey, hey, please pray. And my first question was, are you? I mean, I am, I will, and I'll pray with you right now, but are you praying? And can I tell you by their eyes and by their, even their answers sometimes, many times they're not. You say, why wouldn't they be? Because they're like Peter. Let me tell you what, what I believe had happened. In, in Mark chapter 8, verse 33, it says this, it says, but when he had turned about, Jesus, it says, when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Now, I believe that it's situations like this in, the, in Peter's life. Now, I believe it's Peter's personality. I believe he's impetuous. I believe he's impulsive. I believe he's, uh, he's got a lot of leadership qualities. But can I tell you, in almost every leader, you also have insecurity. Now, you had, you had some that don't act like they got it, but they got it. They got insecurities. And now Peter was one, the personality that he had. I believe when Jesus did things like when Jesus rebuked him, I believe that accentuated the insecurity in Peter and how Jesus felt about him. How does Jesus feel about me? Well, he just got on to me really bad. He must not be happy with me. Wait a minute. He's so unhappy with me, he probably wouldn't want to talk to me. Surely he wouldn't answer me. And that insecurity, I believe, is, is foundational, but he had 
this had this correction, I believe, in Peter's life had created, created this insecurity because he misunderstood correction and love. When we misunderstand the love of God, our faith diminishes. And faith is an essential ingredient to answered prayer. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6 say this, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Listen to this, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What God is saying is he pleased God because he had faith in God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith and the understanding and realization of God's love go hand in hand. We must understand fully the unchanging, amazing love of Almighty God for, sim- for, for simple, sinful man. God loves us and, in our, and we're so weak and we're so frail and we're so sinful, but God does love us. Now listen, he doesn't always approve of everything we're doing. I don't care what the new movement says. They'll say, oh, look, look, God accepts me. Listen, God loves you. That'll never change. But he does not accept everything you do. That's where the misconception is. God's not happy with everything we do, but his love will never change for us. David struggled with it, but he also understood that even though it did not make sense in his own mind, God loved him. It says this in in, uh, Psalm 8, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who, who has set thy glory above the heavens out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers and the moons and the stars which thou hast deigned, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visiteth him? David's struggling a little bit to say, God, why would you even pay any attention to me? Why would you care about me? Well, the answer is, and you'll find it later in David's right, in, the, in the word of God, as you know, God allowed David to write, but, but you'll find it later in David's heart. He understood God loves him. Amen. Romans teaches us how strong that love is. Romans chapter eight, verse 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. It is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We conquer because he loves us and we conquer through him that loves us. You say, Brother Hooker, what's, what's this about prayer? That, look, we see an incredible example of prayer in this, in this passage we just read because you have Jesus says something's going to go on here. Peter wants to have an answer from Jesus. And, and I want to stress so much, prayer is asking God. And who are they asking? They're, they're talking to God. But Peter, because of some sort of insecurity, because somehow he knows his frailties, because Peter, who recognizes that he has been impetuous, been impulsive, been been corrected, his personality, I don't know what all the ramifications is, but I, I do know this. Peter, I believe from Scripture, had enough insecurity that he felt like Jesus would answer John, not him. 
And so instead of going to Jesus, he goes to John. Now, what's the difference between Peter and John? Is one of them sinlessly perfect and the other one's sinful? No, they're both sinners. Just like everybody in this room, we're just sinful people. And I talked to you last time about some things that will hinder our prayers. But, and and when, we, when we have no sin and we condone sin in our life, that's going to hinder our prayers. God's not going to hear us while that sin's there. But, but all of us, regardless, no matter how much we try to live righteously, we're still sinners. So that's, that's, there's no difference between John and Peter there. Was, was John some kind of better man than Peter? Did, did Jesus love John more than he loved Peter? No, none of those things according to Scripture can be true. John, no matter how good, he still all of his righteousness is his filthy rags. Just like Peter. And God's already told us, for God so loved the world. The world's everybody. That includes John and Peter. All, his love never changes, and his love is equal to everyone. What happened here? A man felt like God would not answer him because of his failures, because of his weakness, because maybe he, he doesn't think you praise as much or does right enough or reads his Bible as much as somebody else. So we go to someone else and say, would you pray so God would hear? Because I really need an answer, so I need somebody God will hear. And I'm trying to encourage you tonight, everybody in this room has the same access to God. He loves you. He loves us equally. He is, if you're born again here tonight, He is your Father. Amen. Your Abba Father. You know what? As I said, my daddy would walk to me if he could. He would do anything for me. If I called him tonight and I said, Dad, I got to have the last dollar you got in the bank. I believe my dad would take out the last dollar he had in the bank because he loves me. To that extent, he loves me. Well, listen, my God's not limited by anything, and he loves me far above what any human being could love. And it's my contention and my belief, and I believe he found it out when he finally got to heaven, but I believe that if Peter had simply said, John, excuse me a second, Jesus, who is it? That Jesus would have given the exact same answer to Peter. He would have said, yeah, Peter, it's the one I give a sop to. I'm just pleading that we not be we not let the devil lie to us because he comes and says, you know what, you, uh, you overslept this morning. You didn't, you didn't read your Bible this morning, so you're coming to prayer meet? You're going to go through this list of people and pray and you really think God would hear you? You didn't even read your Bible this morning. You know, you, you, you promised to, 
to pray every day for a certain length of time or to meet God. Every, and you know, twice last week you weren't there. So you're going to get here and kneel with somebody? And in your mind as you're praying, you're going through the motions because you're thinking, I don't think God's hearing me, but I hope He hears them. And I'm trying to tell you, that's not the God we serve. Amen. Oh, He's got some principles for us to live by. And if we condone sin in our life, that's, that's a problem. But I'm telling you this, He knows we're but flesh. He knows. And when David said, why would you even think about us? Oh, He goes past thinking about us. He loves us. And when we understand that love, and we understand that love never changes. One more illustration and I'm done and we'll, we'll have prayer. But do you know who I could go to here tonight the most comfortably and ask for help? I'm not going to tell you who it is, but... But I'm going to tell you, it's the person in this room that I feel confident that they love me and they believe in me. The, that person that you can go sit beside and, you know, when you go sit down to dinner with them, you don't worry about, did I say everything exactly right? Did I do everything exactly right? You know, because they may think, you know, I'm... I'm if I don't do it just right, they think I'm weird. If I don't say it just right, I think I'm weird. I think they think I'm weird. I think I'm weird all the time. You know, that, that person I'm not going to, but the person I, that when I sit down beside them and I can just relax and be myself. And you know what? It, it, it's, really, it's really great because then I can ask them anything. What do you think about this? And, and you know what? Uh, man, I just drove away from the house. I don't have $5 in my pocket. Can you give me $5 so I can run over here? I need to get me something to eat before I starve to death. I'll give it back to you. Here in a little while, I'll go by the bank and give it to you. You know what? I could go talk to a few people that way, and I think they're not going to think anything about that. All they think is I forgot my money or I ran out of money. They're not going to think anything about it. But some people think, no, I'll probably never see that $5 again. And they'll think, man, don't he have any character? Is he that broke? What's he doing with his money? But people who know you and believe in you, they don't think that way. And you're very comfortable talking to them. And I'm trying my best to get across to you that that's what God wants. He wants us to come to him comfortably and say, Lord, you know me. And you know I mess up. But God, you know I love you. And I want to be what you have me to be. And Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you as a weak vessel. You know how weak I am, but that just means I need you that much more. Would you answer my prayer tonight? And here, faith is believing that he just looked and said, even though you can't hear it, sure, son. I'll take care of it.
what you need. We've got to believe. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to receive from Him. We've got to believe, and we will believe great more, in a greater way once we understand He loves us. He loves you. Father, I pray that you bless tonight, Lord Jesus.